Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Seriously, I do believe if you haven't been here and haven't heard these messages, um, I think they would bless you. Um, In the Real Life series, the first one was on sexuality, what the Bible says versus culture. Um, The second one, and Andrew took a lot on on with this one, was marriage, singleness, and divorce, um, but really handled it very well with a lot of grace and a lot of hope. Um, and if, if you have questions or concerns, you know, honestly about sexuality, listen to that a couple weeks. If you have stuff that you're working out, questions about marriage, singleness, divorce, and all that, listen to that message. I really do believe, um, you know, he preached a message that really would speak to you and help you. And uh, this week's that I get to handle is called conflict. So we get to talk about conflict. Next week's will be on money. So we're going to take about three offerings next week. So come loaded, come ready. We're going to, we're going to pay off our building. So no, not really, but we are going to talk about money. Um, but I want to start with uh, a prayer, and then I'm going to go into the definition of conflict, which is kind of funny. Father, I thank you that you um, gather us together. Uh, I saw, I see just, I'm so encouraged when I see this church. I'm so encouraged when I walk in here. Um, it's such an honor and a blessing to get to preach to this group, get to be anything in here, Lord. Um, thank you. I see friends. I've seen people. I mean, it's just been just already this morning. My soul is full with joy of seeing your people gather. We get to sing some songs together and set our eyes upon you together. That's such a beautiful thing, Lord. So, Lord, you know I've been praying about this, and I'll just pray it now. Help my mouth to speak your words. Really, Jesus, you know this. I'm speaking a lot of what you've already said, and I would just simply ask, don't let me mess that up. Let me say what it is meant to say. Let our hearts receive it, Lord. Let everyone in this room be willing, knock down that, that, that if there's a hard soil heart, that it would be softened. If there's distractions, that they would be set aside. If there's even in the spirit of conflict, Lord, as we get into this, you know conflict itself can be a distraction. And Lord, I just ask that as I teach through some of this, that our hearts would at least be open to hear rather than rebuttal and object and say, you know what, okay, if it's the word, I want to move towards it. So Father, bring a softness to our spirits, bring an eagerness to our ears, bring a humbleness to our uh, hearts, Lord, and help me to speak truth in love. Jesus, I ask this in your name, amen. All right, so I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Andrew was able to put it in there, but if you got the definition of conflict, put it up there. It's kind of interesting. That's a lot, right? So, and I even cut a little bit out, but this is just kind of the loose definition of conflict when you think of conflict. To dispute, quarrel, squabble, disagree, differences of opinion, dissension, discord, friction, strife, antagonism, Antipathy. I don't even really know what those, I actually, to be 100% honest, Craddock would know that he's got a giant vocabulary, really good. <laughs> but I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I had to look them up. Uh, I'm like, I don't know what these mean. I live in Franklin County. Anyways, uh, antagonism, <laughs> antipathy. <laughs> it's the promised land, Grover. I agree. Ill will, bad blood, hostility, falling out, contention, clash, altercation, shouting match. Now, this lower level is more for us than Franklin County. Shouting match, exchange, war of words, tussle, wrangle, tangle, battle royale, feud, schism, 
opposite, the opposite or the antonym, what, what did I say it was? What's, is it antonym, all you English people? Yeah. I say opposite, smart people say antonym, which is basically the opposite is what? One word, and it's one word that contradicts all of that is agreement. And so, so as, <laughs> you're just like, wow. So I will just say, just, just as a quick moment, are any of you in anything of that category at all. And I would guess we all are to some degree, aren't we? We're all, if it wasn't, if it wasn't yesterday, it's today. If it's not today, it's tomorrow. We're going to deal with conflict, aren't we? If you're a human being and you breathe and you talk, you're going to have conflict. And to be honest with you guys, we, we did three weeks in a married deal uh, on Friday night, and it was a lot of fun. And I met some really cool people. And I think, it, I think at least from Heather and I's perspective, we really enjoyed it. People that went might hated it. I don't know. But it was good. But one thing, even in marriage, we spend a night talking about fighting and conflict and how to deal with it because it's real and, and it's just something that you deal with. So, but when you think conflict and if you think scripture and where I'm going with all this, there's so many places I could go. It's such a big conversation. I've listened to podcasts about conflict in marriage. I've listened to podcasts about conflict in work. I've listened to messages about conflict in the body of Christ. How Christ. I really did some research, and it's like, whoa, and they're all good, and they're all healthy, like podcasts that really helped me or helped uh, in our marriage. We listened to J.D. Greer talk on one. Great stuff. So I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're looking for good biblical content out there, it's out there. You know, ask an elder. Ask, we'd be glad to point you in the right, right direction uh, if you're like, hey, is there anything that you found out for conflict in my marriage? We, we got a couple podcasts we'd recommend, you know, po- conflict in my life and so on and so forth. But what the Lord kind of pushed on me with this particular sermon, with the particular time we have, is to break it down into two categories and to really just look at uh, conflict as being a Christian. In the real life series, what's conflict look like? So what Andrew had started off a couple weeks ago, when we follow Jesus and we believe this word, we believe differently. Now what I'm saying is, so there's automatically in Christianity, auto-conflict. Soon as I submit to this, there will be conflict. When I say this defines sexuality, culture will con- conflict me, conflict me, or have conflict with me, maybe the right way, right? It's true, right? I say men and women are this, they say this. I say marriage is this, they say this. Do you see? In Christ, through the Bible, if we're submitting and following it, there will be conflict. How we view sex, uh, sexuality conflict, how we view uh, marriage Right? Andrew talked about it last week, how we view singleness. The world says this, Christians say that or should say this. How we view dating, the world's going to say, you know, test drive it, have sex before you get married, see if you like it, right? The conflict of the church would say, that's a sin, don't do that. See that conflict? So if I have a Christian friend, they're going to tell me, don't date a non-believer first. Second, they're going to say, date a believer and, and don't have sex until you get married. If I have a non-Christian friend, they're going to say, hey, test drive it. Do what you want. See if it works. Live together. Am I right? Do you see right there's conflict? So I have a choice. And if I'm going to follow the Lord, then I got to look at the one friend and say, I conflict or conflict your thinking, your answer, or, or whatever they're believing. And so we're all in conflict. 
So uh, we, we, <laughs> this week's conflict, next week's money. Let's be honest. If you're a biblical Christian, how you handle, save, spend, and give will be in conflict or contradiction to culture in the world. You guys tracking? You with me? So, so I just want to say something right out of the gate. As Christians, we choose conflict. And some of us don't want to hear that. Some of us are so passive, and I just want to get along with everybody, and I want to make everybody happy. I live like that a lot. But the truth is, if I'm devoted to Jesus, there will be conflict in my day-to-day, in my workplace, sometimes in my family. There will be. So everybody just needs to be like, yeah, conflict itself is not necessarily bad. How we deal with conflict is the question. So that's what we're going to really dive into today is how do we deal with conflict? Because the world would tell you to deal with conflict this way. Hate those that hate you. Get yours. Fight back. Crush your enemy. That's world. Christ would tell you to deal with conflict is love your enemies. Give to those that take from you. You see the conflicting message there? All right. So John 17, I want you to go here and I want you to look at this. And I want, I want to build something before we go into the kind of the Jesus teaching on conflict and some different things that I'm going into. John 17, verse 14 through 21. And it's the high priestly prayer of our Lord and Savior before he died. And we're in it. That's what's so cool about it. You're in this prayer. I'm in this prayer if you love Jesus and you're in the body. 14, I want to just pull, a, pull from the page. There's a lot in there. We're not going to go into all, but I want you to look at 14 through 21 with me. And he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now pay attention to what I'm saying. He's talking about his followers, his disciples. They're not of the world. We're not of the world. Anyways, 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. There it is again. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay? Now, here's where he's talking about us, because he's talking about his apostles and the early guys there around him. 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is us, cobblestone, it's Christians and cobblestone. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they are also may be in us. Now look, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Sent me, okay? So I got I to gotta really dig into my notes a little bit. And I, I apologize for just reading a little bit, but I, you got to hear me on some of this. Because we're in Christ, Christians, we are not of this world. That means, so we should think, love, live, disagree, fight, forgive, and unite very differently from the world. So you have to understand already that we do life differently. Okay? What do, uh, as Christians, how do we have conflict, disagree, speak out, 
uh, do our jobs, our thought life. Now listen, this is what I'm, I'm really trying to get you to hear. I told Heather, I said, man, I hope they hear this. It's what we do, how we handle, what, we, what Monday through Friday looks like is supposed to be a testimony, a proclamation to this fallen sinful world that Jesus is Lord and we're his. And because of this, we do everything different. Are you hearing me? If they say this, like our job is to be light and salt. Our role as we submit and follow to Jesus, we will automatically be counterculture. And the coolest part is, is what I'm trying to show you, and I'm hoping you're going to land and grasp this. It's who we are because we're not of this world. So I just need you to hear that. If you're not like, we, in Christ, you are not of this world. Okay? Everybody got that? Just, those of you who take notes, write that down. Just remember that. I'm going to show you what conflict, how conflict comes because we're not in this world. Matthew 10. Take a look at that with me. Matthew 10, verse 34. This is, this is Scripture backing up my point, how that in Christ we live a certain way, we walk a certain way, that this is coming to all. This is, this is the reality of our life. Do not, 1034. Give you another second. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? Jesus? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 35. For I have come to set man against his father and daughter against his mother or her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That one's easy, right? Let's be honest. Daughter-in-laws against mother-in-laws. Come on, Jesus, that's a low-hanging fruit. But anyways, and daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. See, I'm building into something here. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We as Christians are not of this world. We as Christians do things differently. And doing things differently will create conflict in our existence. It will create conflict in your home. It will sometimes Christian, somebody meets Jesus, their spouse does not. Conflict. I want to go to church. I want to, I want to give tithe. I want to honor the Lord. And the spouse is like, I don't love your Jesus. Conflict, right? How do you deal with that? How do we deal with our conflict? Your kids may not love Jesus. Your, you, some of you got saved and your parents didn't love Jesus. And tell me that didn't create conflict. You start, you start to say, you know, some of you, if I'm honest, you're Christian and you wanted that son or daughter to marry another Christian and they didn't, there's conflict there, right? What I'm saying is conflict happens because of who we love. And that's okay. Jesus makes it this way. Where, the, where we're going to go, and what I really want you to understand, we're all in conflict, but we got to grasp how do we deal with conflict, okay? So the first point, and I only have two, but the first point is Christian to non-Christian conflict. As I already told you, we're not of this world, and this is a guarantee to happen. So Christian to non-Christian conflict. Um, I want you to look at Matthew, just in the same chapter, look at Matthew uh, 10, verse 34. Nope, I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, Heather's like, yep. Go to 24, I'm sorry. Go to verse 24. 
Once again, still kind of talking like Christ talks here. So, and this is something you just got to believe, you got to understand, and be okay with. Jesus teaches his disciples all the way to us to this day this. Matthew 10, 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Bezelbub or devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? So the truth is, guys, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. If they hated Jesus' thinking, beliefs, his answers and responses, they're going to hate you. A big part of the problem in a lot of our church culture these days, we're trying to keep the world happy. And in Christ, you can't keep the world happy. The bigger question is, is Christ happy? Is the Father happy? Are we obeying Scripture? What ends up happening, and what Andrew has already touched on in the last couple of weeks, is, is church, the church is trying to not have conflict with the world. We're trying to keep everybody happy, feel good, embrace, inclusive, all these big fancy words. And the truth is, in Christ, that is not possible. We keep the Father happy. We obey Jesus, and we live by this word. And that will be counterculture. That will get us in hot water. That will get us in conflict. That will cause problems to, to everywhere, everything that we do and everywhere we go. So some of us just need to embrace that. Some of us like that because you're like, yeah, tell them. Other of you are like, no, I don't want to like tell Susan that she's in sin. I don't, she says, oh, you have conflict at work. And you, you just, I just want to love everybody and tell everybody that they're the best. You know, in my family, in my, you see, you see the conflicting problem, the conflicting problem? Okay, and we move forward. Now, I want you to look at, because here's the easy thing to think, and this is where, this is where it gets preachy. Okay, the world hates me, I'm going to hate them. Okay, Jeremiah, I get it, we're, they're wrong, we're right, let's, let's put up our lines, let's create, let's get our, let's get our guns and let's tear them apart. Right? That's what a lot of people think. That is not what Scripture tells us. Not what our Lord tells us that is a, a false thinking. And if you do think that is the way to respond to culture and conflict, you are sadly mistaken in Christ. He has called us to do something very differently and very counterculture. And it, for some of us, it's like, oh, man, really? So Romans 12, turn to Romans 12, look at verse 14 with me. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 14 through 21. And this is Paul teaching the church then, and this is Paul teaching the church now. And this is what we as Christians are to take from this in our conflict with Christian to non-Christian, with the people around us that we are fighting with currently, with the people we will fight with, with the people that we do disagree with, with the people that oppose our uh, way of life and our belief system. This is how we're supposed to behave. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay, now listen to this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Listen to that, it's huge. So some of you, if it's possible to live in peace with people in the world that are, you're in conflict with, choose peace. Choose to live with, don't be like, I'm gonna be hostile to them and nasty just because they don't believe what I believe. If it is possible, up to you, live peaceable, okay? Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary. See, here's the thing. It's like we're, we're supposed to not even avenge ourselves. Because why? We're not of this world. And if we're not of this world, our Father fights our battles. That's what I'm trying to get at. You don't have to fight like the world. God has your back. Even though it may not feel like it, he does. He's with you because you're not of this world. We do not do, we don't do warfare. To the, our weapons are not of this world, right? You guys know some scripture on that. We do things differently. We have conflict different. And so when we obey this, God shows up on our behalf. Because that's what it says. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So right there, some of you are in conflict with, or will be in conflict with people in the world, and you're saying, how do I deal with it? And you have scripture telling you how to deal with this. Like, if your enemy, if you look at him, an enemy of your business, enemy of your life, and Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For so, by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. There is supernatural power. There is supernatural influence when we realize we're not of this world. We don't do things like this world does. We obey Jesus because Jesus knows best. And so we do it his way. And by doing it his way, supernatural things happen. I literally have lived this out. I, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I have been owed money. I have been wronged in business deals. I have been wronged in Christian to Christian conflict, but I'm just talking Christian, non-Christian. I really have. And it is so hard to bless those who curse you. Let me just not stand above you, yell at you. Let me just be real honest with you. When they steal from you and you don't get that several thousand dollar check that you're supposed to get, you're mad and you're allowed to be mad. And I think you're allowed to fight to get the money. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. But I do think how you handle your anger, how you handle your response, how you handle your heart is, is everything. Because if you're not careful, you can look just like the world. And our Lord does not want us to look like the world. Because here's the cool part. Enemies can become allies. My boss, when I got into the business that I'm in, was, was non, a non-believing dude. Horrible boss. <laughs> taught me how to fix dents. And Heather would tell me over and over again, quit. But I kept feeling like the Lord's like, no, you have a different standard to follow. Honor him. Trust, obey. Don't, don't, don't just, he was not paying me. He was not setting taxes out. He was owing me money. And I kept feeling this thing like, I don't want to just be the world here. I want to rise above this because I know my God avenges me. I know my God fights my battles. I know my God is for me and God got me in this and God will get me through this. So I want to search the scriptures and find the plan. And I did. And I served him and I was patient with him. 
I was kind with him. I was forgiving to him, even when it was like, dude, you owe me money. I mean, I was honest. You still owe me money. But it was awesome because several years later, about 15 years later, I ended up buying out. He ended up actually wanting to work for me. I didn't hire him because he was very unreliable. That's the whole story. (laughs) Just being honest. But he ended up calling me about 10, 15 years later and says, hey, I'm doing pretty well. He's living in Georgia. He said, I want to be honest with you. You always showed me Jesus. You show, and he was a, he's a confessing believer now. Yeah, amen. There's something bigger at stake than the paycheck. There's something bigger at stake than just being right. This, this is what I'm saying. We're not of this world. And sometimes the Lord is using contention or situations or, 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 or strife in the world so that you do it God's way and you, you, you see someone turn, right? We will see Saul's to Paul's if we do it God's way. Am I making sense? So that's what I mean. You, you, amen. Thank you, Heather. She's like, yeah. I want you to hear this. Do it God's way. 20, I'm going to read it again. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Church, Christians, meditate on this, pray on this. This will not be easy. You, this is going to take a lot of prayer, a lot of, honestly, fasting and seeking and counsel. To be able to overcome evil with good takes Jesus. It just does. And you will mess it up. And you will fight evil with evil. And you will have to repent of that. I've been guilty of that too. Anyways, I move on. I just want you to hear this. We are not of this world. We do things differently. We fight differently. Got a text. How about I just answer it? No. <laughs> we, we do things differently, guys. Why? Because it testifies of who he is and his love for us and his, his death for us and all that wonderful stuff. So we do it his way. All right. Now I want to talk about, um, yeah, I really want to dive into that. That's all I want to say about worldly conflict. The next one is a greater issue, and the majority of this church has entered into it because you love Jesus. And because we love Jesus and because we're humans, we will have conflict. So Christian to Christian conflict. How are we doing? How have we done? What's the right way to deal with this? This may be in a marriage. This may be in a friendship. This may be in a church. This may be in a small group. This may be in a neighborhood. Maybe with another church. Conflict in Christianity is everywhere. And if I'm, if I'm honest... I've seen it done so poorly. I've done it so poorly uh, over and over and over again. So Christian to Christian conflict. I want you to look at 1 John 4, 4 through 12. And once again, I'm going to deep dive a little bit and put some foundation on conflict in Christianity. 1 John chapter 4, 4 through 12. Sound like a horse, didn't I? This was one of those messages where I'm just like, oh, man, I wrestled with this a lot. (laughs) Little children, verse 4, little children, you are from God 
and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There it is. Why am I not of this world? Because he who is in me is greater than he is in the world. This is the world that I'm living in. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Talks about at the beginning of this little context, he's talking about testing spirits. Worldly people will hear worldly people and be like, yeah, that sounds right. Godly people will hear godly teaching and say, yeah, that sounds right. There's something inside us. When Christ, with the Holy Spirit, when Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, he is, he is, uh, the, he's guiding us to all truth, right? He's the spirit of truth, and he's t- helping us to understand what's him and what's not, okay? So, and it says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Listen, we, Christians, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, okay? Beloved, now this is what I really want you to think. In conflict in the church, in conflict in Christianity, really let this sunk into your soul. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not does not love does not know God. I'm going to say it again because it's the word of God and it, it, it really should cut us. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins, filled in the deal, took them. 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If, if, and I'll, I'll say this in Christianity, I hope you feel loved by God. If God so loved us, and he does, and I have felt and experienced and live in that love, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So you're going to say, you're saying, Jeremiah, what's this have to do with conflict in the church? If we're saturated in his love, we're not easily offended. If we're saturated in his love, we're willing to forgive anything. If we know who we are in Christ, and if we know what he's done for us, and we live, swim, experience all that love, there is nothing Grover can do to offend me or break that. We'll work through it. I am, and I hurt my feeling. I'm, but ultimately, the love of God becomes the thing that surrounds us as we reconcile. And it's, it's, it's also in the same thing. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Like our relationship with God, you should not be afraid that you're going to out, like, step in sin and, oh, now God hates me. If you do, you have a wrong sense of his love. So his love for us should dictate our love for each other, and there should be perfect love casts out fear. There should be a heavier willingness that we can work through anything. I know Heather loves me. We can work through anything. And when I approach my relationship with her like that, we'll talk about stuff. We'll, she'll, you, she'll say, I've, I, you kind of hurt my feelings here. I'll say tough stuff to her. And that relationship, that relationship is strong. So what I'm suggesting and what I'm going into is so often 
the reason we're not able to have good conflict in the church and good reconciliation so often, not always, but so often is because we're not walking in the love that God has us to walk in. We're not receiving the fullness. We're not, we're not basting in his grace and his mercy and his truth. I've been, you go to God for everything, not these people. It's easy for me, I have a lot of love and God's worked through it, but I spend a lot of time praying for this softness in my heart to let things go and have people say stuff to me, oh man, that, that kind of hurt my feelings. I'm not, we're gonna be honest and talk about things, but gosh, guys. So I'm just telling you, to, the way, the key, the hope is through conflict in the church is get a better understanding, a bigger picture of his love. And you will do things you can't, you will forgive things you never thought you could forgive. You will let stuff go that you never thought you could let go because of his love and the love you have for his body. And it becomes an outpouring. It doesn't become a grind, grit your teeth, clench your knuckles, ah. It becomes, I'm glad to forgive you. I'm excited to get that. I mean, offend me so I can exercise love. Please don't, but... But you'll feel what I'm talking about. This is the challenge. This is the beauty of the church. Remember, as, as I said, the, the way we live our lives is supposed to speak to the world, that we're not from this world, that we are different. The way we love one another, the way we forgive one another, the way we handle conflict, the way we unite is supposed to say to the world that Jesus is Lord and he is true and us disciples are real and we have the love of him the love of the Father, and the love of each other. And the world's supposed to look at us and say, I want that. How? Show me how. And then you have a conversation about submitting to Jesus and surrender and repentance and all those wonderful things. But look, so once again, we do it his way because this is what Jesus did. Jesus walked in the Father's love, never doubted it, never questioned it, received it, and was able to forgive all of us because of the Father and because of his love for us. Mm. That's good. Anyways, Song of Solomon, check this out. Have you guys got the Song of Songs? Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch the fox. Now, this is an interesting thing. Why are you throwing this in there, Jeremiah? Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyard are in blossom. Now, this is an interesting thing because this is what happens so often in Christian circles. It's not the big stuff. It's usually not the big, ah, it's the little stuff. It's the little sprinkling of contention. I didn't like how you texted me. I didn't like what you said. You didn't look at me right. I'm upset just because your kid's dressed like this, right? It's the little foxes. And so what ends up happening, these lovers are talking in the Song of Solomon, and, and they're like, hey, listen, we don't want to ruin the vineyard, so get rid of the foxes, so for you and I, in the spirit of conflict and conflict resolution and fighting and doing these things, are you getting rid of the little foxes? Are you checking your heart for the little things? Are you easily offended? Are you, are you, are you up, are you like, ah, oh, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Recognize them. Know them. Know your heart. Know that, I mean, are you a fight or a flight, right? Are you silence or violence? Know how you can have fights. Know it. Be humble about it. Work through it. Bring accountability into it. If you're highly sensitive, be honest with people. I'm highly sensitive, so be careful with my, me. If you're a cold, callous rock, be honest with people. I don't have feelings, right? I may offend everybody, you know? <laughs> Just love the body this way, okay? So I want you, it's the little foxes. It's the little things that tend to rip us apart. Matthew 5, 21. I want you to see this with me. 
Matthew 5, 21 through 23. And these are Jesus' words, so I'm going to, I sometimes, I'm really, the older I get, the more I preach, the more I'm feeling like, ah, don't try to overteach Jesus' stuff. It just, it just feels wrong. I don't know what that is, but you're like, don't do it because you're going to mess it up. Matthew 5, 21. Anyways, I want you to read it with me and I may say a couple things. In there first. 521. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders with, will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool or godless one, it's a real major, it's not just like how we use the word fool today. In their day, it's like, whoa. Will be liable to the hell, to the hell of fire. Okay? So what Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, and what he's having us wrestle with is our anger. And let's be honest, conflict in the church is usually attached to some sort of anger. It's usually like, or it gets there. Right? I disagree, I'm angry. I'm gonna, so be careful. Now, I, want you to, I don't want to go deep into that but because of time. I want you to look at 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there today, you bring your gift, you go, hey, Lord, I love you so much. Here's my offering, 10%, whatever it is. Here's my offering. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and you remember, you just remember, I think maybe the Lord prompts you at times, remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Then come offer your gift. Okay? Are you living that way? Christians, non-Christians, I'll be honest with you, serve the Lord, we'll talk. But if you confess Jesus, do you live this way? That when you're here giving a worship, but you've been nasty with somebody all week, you've gossiped, slandered, stole, tore down, and we've all been there. We've all been, we're in good company. I've been there. What are you doing about it? Well, no, 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 I'm just gonna praise. Yeah, that's great. But shouldn't you do something? There's action here. There's do work here. And so often the church, because we're passive and we think that's more godly, that's not more godly. We have this tendency to think, well, I'm just going to let it go. And that's great if you can let it go. But 80% of the time you say you're going to let it go and you don't. Am I talking to somebody? I mean, I know I've been working in churches for quite a long time and I've been working around Christians for quite a long time and we split and we divide and we get mad at each other and we're gonna cross our arms and we're gonna quit this and stop that. And what we should be doing is begging each other, begging each other, forgive me. I didn't think I did that. I I didn't mean that. Forgive me. Let's reconcile. We make Jesus look so, so bad when we fight when we shame each other, when we break over silliness, foxes. I went through the, the darkest season in my church life was when I was fighting with a, um, another pastor in another church situation. Woo, cry clock, Josh. I don't know where we're at, but 
And I started that year out and I felt the Lord say, and I've told the story and some of you know it. I felt the Lord say, you need to hang out with me an hour every morning. And I thought, well, who knows what he's talking about, but I could really feel it, so I did. And I don't normally do an hour in the morning. And I did for about a year. And boy, when I entered into that conflict and when I entered into that, that fight, when I entered into those arguments, dissension, and my reputation was this and things were being said like that, it was so, so hard. I, I mean, you think, oh, I can handle some conflict. When you start going through real conflict, it, it brings up, I also want you to say this. When we go through conflict, also, conflict's not all bad because God uses conflict to sanctify. When, when you guys fight, when I fight, when we fight with each other, there's a sanctification that's supposed to happen. Andrew and I have pushed on each other pretty hard over the last several years, but we're, the coolest part is we're closer than ever. But that closeness has come from fighting. That closeness has come from disagreeing. And we look at each other and we're like, I don't see it that way. He's like, I don't see it that way, right? And so we're like, but there's, there's something sanctifying about that with a brother because it rises up. And I'll realize I got pride in this area. I got selfishness in this area. I'm actually wrong. I'm sorry that I said that and vice versa. And you know what? It grows us closer. That's what the devil is trying to stop us growing closer us being more unified. He knows the more unified, the more together we are, the more dangerous we are. And the world starts to change and the world starts to take notice. So he loves to stir us and you're right to stand in your offense. You're right to be angry. You're right to be mad. It's your right. And here's the thing. It might be your right, but in Christ it's not. It has to be crucified. Well, I was wrong. So was Jesus. Always think of him, always connect to him, always focus on him. Oh, okay. Are you eager? That's what I really wanted to push on. Are you eager to lay your gift down and do the work? Most of us aren't. I'm not. Because that means a conversation that may be very uncomfortable. Man, can I talk to you? And usually, here's the best part in my church experience. And Andrew and I talk about this a lot. A lot of these conversations we think are going to be like, oh, boy turn out way better than we could ever ask or think. And you're like, why did I build it up in my head that it was gonna be so horrible? I gained a friend. And that's what we're gonna go into here. I gained a brother. I gained a sister. I gained something. I didn't lose something. Most of the time. Occasionally, it'll go the other way. Ephesians 4. Look at this with me. Ephesians 4. I didn't give it to you guys, so it's not in the scriptures, but I'm gonna put it in here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility. How do I conflict, Jeremiah? How do I, how do, I do it God's way? What do I do? What do I think like? How do I respond? How do I read the email or the text? How do I, what do I pray through? Is there a scripture, Jeremiah, that you would give me because I'm about to go into a meeting that I don't want to go into and solve something? Write this down and pray this scripture before that meeting. Pray it. I mean, we got to pray scriptures, folks. It's just the way it works. So if it says, with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, I would say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to be humble in this conversation. Help me to be gentle in this conversation. Will you provide patience for my heart that I would just be calm and patient? And then, Lord Jesus, will you help me to bear with one another? Help me to actually see what they're talking about and listen and bring healing and unity. So he says, patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager. 
eager, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Are you eager? Are you a fight or a flight? Some of us, I mean, you guys, are you eager to reconcile? The things that I've seen in the church in my role that scare me the most is when I see Christians that aren't eager to reconcile. They can sit in pain. They can sit in disunity. They can sit in frustration and hurt and bitterness. You sit in it, all you're doing is saying, hey, devil, do your worst. Rip me apart. Eager is a thing that the body of Christ calls for. The love of God is calling us to be eager to restore, to love, to forgive, to be unified. And I'm just simply saying, are you eager? And some of you aren't. And I'm not bad at you, but you need to start asking the Lord to change your heart, to be eager, to to nip things in the bud. You do. You just got to be honest with God. This is the coolest part. God's not only like like talking to you and calling you up. He's actually going to equip you and strengthen you. And you say, Lord, help me to be eager to not, to not do this. I don't want to sit in, in contention. I don't want to sit in strife. I don't want to sit in unforgiveness. Help me to be eager, God. And you know what's cool? He will help you because he's our God. And he's living inside of us. He's helping me. All right, Romans 12, 9. I'm about done, so hang in with me. Romans 9. I'm sorry, Romans 12, 9 through 3. Romans 12, 9 through 3. Oh, 9 through 13. Thank you. Good call. All right, here we go. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That is the marks of a Christian. That is the marks of a a person submitted, surrendered, and following our Lord. That's a person that lives his way. So genuine love, genuine love. Man, Christians, we have gotten really good at having fabricated love. What I mean by that, I love you, but then you get in your car and you tear me to pieces. That's not genuine love. It's just not. What I was thinking about, the brotherly love and the genuine love, the kind of love that a mom has for kids. And I've watched this. Kids can be real, no offense, guys. Kids can be real jerks to their mom. But I've watched mother's love be so genuine, so just willing to say, I'll love them anyways. I'll love over that. I'll love through that. Oh, you just told me some really mean things. You just are never nice to me. You never want to hang out. Right? Let's be honest. It happens. Moms get beat up pretty hard. Dads do too, but moms feel it harder, I think. But there's such a genuine love from the mother that she's willing to forgive. She's willing to overlook it. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have in the body. It's supposed to be so real, not fake. And I'll be honest with you, this takes years to build. It's not something that you can snap your fingers. This takes deep conversations. This takes meeting in small groups. This takes listening to each other. You, if you're just a Sunday morning Christian and it comes here once in a while, but I'll be honest with you, and you're not deeper connected than that, you're gonna have a really hard time having genuine love for people in this church. Genuine love comes from time. It comes from just hanging and listening and living life together. 
And you guys know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have been living for, you're like, I fought with this person, but I, we have genuine love. It pulls us back together. Every one of you should have a story. Uh, if you've been a Christian for more than a year or two or 10, you should have a story of how God used you and you, you basically hurt someone or someone hurt you and you reconciled. I mean it. Where's your story? Maybe you should have a bunch. I do. I've been in the body for a while. I've hurt people. I got a big mouth. Sometimes I, I, I offended one person and, and they told me like a year later, hey, when you said this, it was offensive to me. I'm so glad they told me. But I, I, I didn't mean it like that. But I'm glad they told me. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry that it came out like that. I mean it. Genuine love. Genuine love does the work. Genuine love has the hard conversation. Genuine love lays it all out on the line. Genuine love. Mother's love. Family love. Brotherly love. My brother and I are brothers no matter what. Love the guy. Sometimes I want to punch him. Sometimes I really want to punch him. And those of you who know my brother know what I'm talking about. You know, he goes, ah. But he's a big guy too. He'd probably tear me apart. But either way, I'd get the one shot in. Anyhow, I love him. And he loves me. And we're, we got brotherly love. We always have. We covered each other. We've, like, we've just been those guys. It's like, hey, I'm, we're in this together. So outdo one another in showing honor. High respect. Great esteem. We, are, are we honoring each other? Or do we think less of each other? Do we have honor in our heart? Man, you, you matter. Well, Jeremiah, you matter because you're an elder and you're in. No, if you, you matter. Everybody, I want, man, one of my biggest hearts in this church is I want everybody, I mean, to understand that you matter. Whether you come here once in a while or you serve, we want you to feel seen and loved. We want you to, I want you to feel genuine love from us as elders, genuine love from the church and the leadership and genuine love from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, please, please know that we do see you and you do matter. Are we honoring each other that way? And then I'm gonna close with this because it's a huge scripture and I probably will just skip through because I wanna have a little prayer time. Today's prayer Sunday. And so I really planned it so that I wanna have, we got about 20 minutes, but I want, I'm gonna talk for about 10 more. Then I'm gonna drop you off and I want you to have some real time with the Lord. Because when you talk conflict and forgiveness and all these icky things, you need to do some work with the Lord. And frankly, God is way better at this than I am. Because the Word can only do so much, I can do so much, but our Lord wants to help you. He wants to bless you. He wants to, he wants to raise things to the top and say, hey, deal with that. I see it, and I love you, and I love them, and you need to talk to them. You need to text them, you need, and you may have to do it right here at the end of this service. That's how real we're going to be. Anyways, Matthew 18. Everybody knows, it's church discipline, it's Jesus teaching, it's heavy, it's good, it's Matthew 18. I would encourage all of you, if you have issues with people and fight, 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 fight fighting, read Matthew 18 and pray through it and ask the Lord to help you with it. You'll see what I mean. Matthew 18, 15 through 20 first. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Okay, we're gonna, I wanna just pause there because there's a couple things. Like I said, we're gonna survey this. This is not a deep dive into Matthew 18, so please allow that. Once again, if your brother, someone in relationship, you know how the Lord's Prayer says, our father? So we all have the same father. We all have the same brother, Jesus. He's re, in Christ. So our, if your brother, if somebody in Christ uh, um, sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And there's this chance that he or she won't listen. 
But it says, if he listens to you, you have gained, gained your brother. So there's a couple things I want you to say. Think. You gotta speak up. Too often, someone offended you, someone hurt you, and you live in that offense and hurt. I already said this. But the Christian body is way too quiet. So you'll be amazed how many people like me don't know hurt, they hurt people and want to, want to resolve it, want to talk about it, want to forgive it. But so often, and if you feel something, well, if you feel something, say something. I, I'm not asking you to be a drama queen. And if you do have a, a tendency to be overly hurt about everything, get counsel before you may. Maybe that's the wise thing to do. But I think all too often Christians live and it's not that big of a deal. It, it could be a big deal. And beyond that, you just, we, if your brother or sister that did this to you loves Jesus and loves you, they want you to be free. They don't want you to come in here and be like, oh, every time you see them, we know this. When you see someone, you ever been in a church situation that hurt you and you walk in and you like, you see them and you're, the blood pressure rises and you're, oh, you know, you turn into, that's angry, you know? If that's happening, man, let them know. Get free, get free, get free. Anyway, so speak up. Now, the other thing I see there and that I wanted to say is, is the goal of Christian fighting all too often is just debating and who's right. The goal of Christian fighting or Christian disagreeing or Christian restoration or reconciliation, whatever you want to put it in, really should be gaining your brother. We should be eager to gain our brother or our sister. Gain them. I, I, like I said, once again, I want to see in this church people that are eager to gain, to gain friendships, overlook stuff, gain closeness. Okay? It's going to be hard, and it's not going to be perfect, and we're going to mess it up. Okay? All right. So now, now the next step he goes into, but if he does not listen, which could happen and does happen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three. Now, like I said, the discipline part here is take the one or two to be witnesses, guys, because frankly, you're trying to figure out if it, you want to stop slander. You want to stop gossip. You want to stop tearing each other down. You want to uh, be cautious of that. Um, but there's also another thing that I think that, that, that maybe I want to put on that is sometimes it takes help to get resolution. I've been a mediator of meetings. I'm okay to do that. I've been a mediator of marriages. Heather and I have. Sometimes you just, it takes help. Sometimes you can't resolve stuff by yourself because it just, you get together and you just lock up, lock horns. And so that's okay. So yeah, in this case, he's talking about take it so it doesn't turn into slander. Thing, but here's the other thing. Don't, if you got people around you that are allowing you to live in offense, and if you're one of these Christians in this room that, let me, let me, let me preach to that a little bit. If you're one of these Christians in here and you allow people to live in offense and you're not pushing scripture on them and you're like, yeah, you should just stay offended. I can see where you're wrong. Careful. Peter himself said to Jesus, he said, oh, no. and you know what Jesus looked at him and said, said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes you're delivering the devil's mail out of your mouth. If you're encouraging strife, backbiting, slander, tearing, if you're encouraging it, if you're speaking into it, if you're allowing it, be careful that you're not delivering the devil's mail. It's real. I told you I was going to love on you and beat on you, but anyways, let's move on. Um, take two or three. Now 18. Whew. Got to land this plane. Dallas, go ahead and make your way up here, buddy. Whew. 
Okay, so then he says, if he refuses, take two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. We're talking a different style. This is church discipline. Unfortunately, in our style of churches and the way it works, it doesn't work as well as, as it did in their day, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be. What this really means is if there's an offense or a real sin issue and that person doesn't want to deal with it, you need to talk to elders. In this church, we have elders. You'd bring it up to the elders. Elders would make a decision on how to deal with this particular sin issue. Maybe get involved, help reconciliation if it's possible, if it's not. There, that's, what, that's the big idea, that the church has to hold the weight. And then you'll see even at the, at the end, he says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. What that is really, what Jesus is really trying to say is I'm establishing myself in this group like I'm there calling the shots and the restoration, the discipline, whatever needs to be happening, I am there with them. Um, pretty cool. All right, so, and I close with well, the church discipline 7 to 21 through 22, and then he tells a parable. A 21 is beneficial. Then Peter came up, said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? Right? Some of us live that, man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm sick of being sinned against. Christians are tough. Family's tough. Marriage is tough. You will be sinned against. Amen? Everybody's been sinned against this week. Amen, nudging your spouse. I'm sinned against this week. But <laughs> and Peter came up, and I think old Peter, he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I think he had a guy in his mind. <laughs> I really do. I think he's thinking of one of the disciples. And when do I get to cut him off? When do I get to push away? When do I get to quit him? I want to quit him, Jesus. I, I forgive him as many as seven times. In Jewish culture, the three was the, the, the thing. You, you offer forgiveness three times, and then you basically push him away. So Peter's being gracious by saying seven, right? And Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or seven times 70 is what a lot of different uh, interpretations say, which is an answer to keep. For giving, Peter, <laughs> church, how often do I forgive? We keep forgiving. We keep forgiving. We keep forgiving. Gosh, why? Because we're not of this world. Why? Because we're loved. So because we're loved by God, we are able to do what God does. And he forgives us. And then the rest, he tells this great big parable that I'll paraphrase about this, this guy who owes an incredible debt to a ruler, and, he, and he's like, oh, and the, the ruler has pity, the Bible says, on that incredible debt, forgives him. Then that guy goes out, another guy has a tiny debt against him, and that guy beats him, tears him down, throws him in jail or his kids in jail, whatever, because of the small debt. And then the ruler hears about it and says, oh, no, no, not on my watch. So how do I find it in me to forgive? It's this simple and this hard. Keep Jesus really, really big and keep you really, really small. When you start to have put you and your situations really, really big and Jesus really, really small, you'll actually walk in a lot of unforgiveness. When you keep Jesus really, really big and you remember and you on a regular remember that what you've been forgiven of, what God has done for you, how big the cross is, how gracious is he, when you pull from that forgiveness and love you can forgive and love anyone, anything, 
anything because Jesus did, right? And that's how you do it. Remember what you've been forgiven. Live in a spirit of forgiveness. Right now, I'm gonna drop us off. I got Dallas. I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to have Dallas. If you know Dallas, he's, got, he's really gifted with the keys. No pressure, Dallas, but I, f- I felt like the Lord just wanted him to take five minutes and just, you know, we're gonna just, I, w- I don't want you, if you gotta go, you gotta go, but it's 11.51. Things aren't over until 12. We're gonna take five minutes, and I just want you to sit still, and I just want you to ask the Lord. I want you to spend some time with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, go ahead, Dallas, give me some music. I want you to just let the counselor, the comforter, the spirit of truth, I don't want you to fight him. I don't want you to be mad. I don't want you to try to hide stuff. He's gracious. He's way more gracious than I sounded. I'll be honest with you. How I preach can sound kind of, you know, oh, he's more gracious than that. He's gentle. He's kind. But I want you to ask the Lord, is there anyone that I'm holding offense against? And then I want you to, if you're like, I don't, a name popped up, situation popped up, and maybe all you got today is you just, I'm going to have prayer teams come up. All you got today is you just need prayer on how to approach that. Or maybe you're so hurt, you just can't do anything with it for right now. And that's okay. Because Jesus wants to, he just wants to minister to your hurt. If that's you, that's okay. Sit there, just let the spirit work on you. Then we're going to bring prayer. Go ahead, go ahead, prayer team, come on up. If we have prayer team. shut up. Father, I thank you. Right now, Lord, I ask you, and you are, you always do this to me, and you do this to your body. You always search our hearts, and you reveal and heal. So, Lord, right now, in this moment, heal, call to action, call to repentance, call us up, Lord, Heal the brokenness in the body. Heal the brokenness. Heal the disunity. Heal the strife. Heal the offense. Give us wisdom and direction, Jesus. Have your way. Amen. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.